Welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be looking at episode 615, entitled Across the Sea. This is the 118th episode of the series, and there are three to go. Just a quick feedback reminder, you can always say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm Looking Back Lost. You can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. Leave a comment on the webpage, lookingbackatlost.com. .podbean.com. And lastly, you can hear your voice on the podcast by calling 732-707-1815. And speaking of feedback, I had a quick little check-in from friend of the podcast, John Bowman, who said about this episode that we're about to watch, he said, Across the Sea really makes me feel sorry for MIB. It truly blurs the line for who is good and who is evil. And John, I think that certainly is a uh, is a fair point we see uh, we certainly see the softer side of uh, of uh, old Smokey here, and uh, we'll talk about that as we get into the episode. But first, here's the Wikipedia summary for 615 Across the Sea. Washed ashore on the island, a pregnant woman named Claudia encounters an unnamed woman, both of whom speak Latin. The woman helps Claudia give birth to her son, whom Claudia names Jacob. Then another boy is born. The woman then kills Claudia with a blow to the head. The woman raises the twins as her own and to be ignorant of the world beyond the island. She also convinces them to be distrustful of humanity, which she says she regards as corrupt and dangerous. At age 13, Jacob and his brother discover that other people are on the island. The woman warns the brothers that the other people are not like us. We are here for a reason. She then worriedly expresses out loud that it's not time yet and reluctantly decides to show the brothers a mysterious hidden tunnel filled with light and an underground stream. She tells them that one of them will eventually be its caretaker and that she made it so you two boys can never hurt each other. Upon seeing the light-filled tunnel, the woman explains that the light is the warmest, brightest light you've ever felt and we must make sure no one ever finds it. She goes on to explain a little bit of this very same light is inside of every man, and they always want more. And she finally warns, if the light goes out here, it goes out everywhere. Later on in the episode, a vision of Claudia appears and asks the young man in black to follow her. Indeed, he does, as the brother excuses himself and follows Claudia into the jungle. She reveals to the young man in black that she is his and Jacob's birth mother, and that other people came to the island with her 13 years ago. After his discussion with Claudia, the young man in black confronts the woman about Claudia's claims and attempts to convince Jacob to join the other people on the island with him. However, Jacob refuses and stays with the woman. Over the course of the next 30 years, Jacob visits his brother at the camp he shares with the other people. 
The man in black, while he believes the people are corrupt, stays with them as a means to an end. And when Jacob asks what end, he replies, I'm leaving. This was accomplished by digging wells in spots where metal behaves strangely. The man in black invites Jacob to leave with him, but Jacob refuses to leave the island or the woman. When the woman hears what the man in black is doing, she visits him and learns that he and the others have constructed a giant wheel down a well. She smashes the man in black's head, rendering him unconscious. Later, the man in black awakens outside the well site and discovers that the people in the camp have been massacred. The well has also been completely filled with earth. Meanwhile, the woman shows Jacob the tunnel of light again, explaining that it leads to life, death, rebirth, the source, the heart of the island, and that Jacob has no choice but to take care of it now. She also warns Jacob never to enter the tunnel, as doing so would cause a fate worse than death. With that, the woman makes Jacob just like her. Enraged by her actions, the man in black stabs the woman in her camp, through the back and asks why she wouldn't let him leave the island. She replies, because I love you. Appearing relieved and calm with her fast approaching death, the woman says thank you and dies. Jacob retaliates by beating his brother and throwing him into the stream, leading down to the tunnel of light. The man in black is sucked into the tunnel and the smoke monster emerges in his place, disappearing into the treetops. Jacob then finds the body of the man in black and places it with the woman in the cave where she had been living with Jacob along with a pouch containing the black and white stones they used in their box game. In a repeat of a scene from the first season, now in a new context, the corpses and stones are found centuries later by Jack Shepard and Kate Austin and dubbed Adam and Eve by John Locke. With that, let's now get into my thoughts about this wonderful episode. I was, I was heartbroken to read on, uh, on Wikipedia that critical opinion of this episode uh, I believe in, in, in the phrasing of the article ranged from it being one of the series best to it having ruined the series. Um, it, it's just a marvelous episode. It, it, it really, really is. Um, could it have been frustrating for some people to see this uh, with, you know, uh, only two more, uh, two more nights of watching, you know, there's three episodes left, but it's, it's, uh, you know, there was the one more, I think with the show on, thursdays at this point wednesdays but there was the the one more episode during the week and then the two-hour finale on on the following sunday so i could see how that would be a little um upsetting but i mean it was it's just such a such a thorough episode and uh, indeed let's let's get into it now it's 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 a great way that the episode opens it's so gutsy to stop the island narrative uh and, and to just tell this story that that has to be told uh although i think for the first time viewer it's not apparent that this is going to be in an episode long flashback certainly the appearance of the pregnant woman claudia in clothing and hair which appears vaguely old-timey is a clue that uh you know that we get when we're at although by the way it's a great touch that they don't oversell her pregnancy that it exists that she is pregnant certainly becomes obvious as the episode unfolds in the first minute and uh, the fact that she has blood down one leg does uh, speak in its own muted way to the state of the pregnancy but here the show is using a, a light touch with that uh, claudia is found by the alice and janney character of mother and kudos to janney for giving claudia 
a, a, a once-over that speaks to Mother's later evil streak. As the scene moves to Mother's home, there's, there's actually a moment where the show cuts to a wide shot and Giacchino does one of those, you know, Lost-esque mysterious string slides. And it's at this point where three things happen. First, the ostensible reason for the, the, the music uh, is because the show has just gone Latin, which is to say uh, that now that we've established that these ladies are speaking Latin, because they were, uh, we're going to hunt for Red October it and pretend that all the English we hear is actually Latin. But even better is the second moment, and it's a visual moment. We get that wider shot of Mother's home, which is, of course, the subtle reveal of the fact that they're in the caves, the caves that we know so well from season one. Third, at that moment, Mother puts down a, a pestle that she's been working on for a little while, and darned if it didn't occur to me the first time I watched this episode, and, and when I've seen it subsequent times, yes, unlike some of the other season six episodes uh, this is not the second time i've seen this episode i've seen it a, a good number of times but i i, I wondered if they were going somewhere uh, with this use of her you know grinding something up it's so kind of uh quietly evocative of Locke creating the uh hallucination paste in season one but no it just ends up being kind of a medicine-y thing for uh for claudia who of course she wants to be uh, comfortable uh, ahead of uh, the, the miracle of childbirth, ahead of mother clunking Claudia in the head and killing her. So, uh, if anything, I mean, kind of uh, dark jokes aside, it's the first indication of something that I'll explore more later, which is how greatly are we going to going to indict uh mother for for killing claudia it appears so awful it is so awful but i think that there's an argument to be made that perhaps it's not as awful as it appears and it does appear to be pretty awful but more of that in a bit back to kind of the narrative here um we have uh mother explaining that she's there by accident as well and retorts with the show I think, thumbing its nose lovingly at the audience, that every question Claudia might ask will simply lead to another question. Claudia talks about wanting to find her other shipmates, but it's interrupted by an authoritative, it's coming, which sounds very much like things we've heard about the smoke monster, uh, but of course she means her one baby. The irony is, of course, that the, uh, the, the, the proto-smoke monster is coming as well, though no, neither of them know it. As mother takes away the newborn Jacob for cleaning, there's just a wonderful, wonderful Gollum-esque look to her eyes. The show clearly foreshadowing that she's got plans for this baby. Then, rather predictably, I think, even for first-time viewers, there's more TV laboring, and soon enough, the quiet, happy-looking, white-swaddled Jacob has his crying, unhappy-looking, dark-swaddled twin next to him. I'm 
sorry. What I'm sure you heard, but did not, uh, of course, <laughs> see on the podcast, is that that last juicy smash is done with the screen blacked out, letting us focus on all that unseen hitting. With that, we get the title card, then the episode simply resumes with these unfamiliar or barely familiar faces. The act starts with a young man in black, the boy in black perhaps, uh, finding a game of white stones versus black stones. Uh, The scene pushes ever so slightly the limits of metaphor as the blonde, tan-clothed Jacob plays the white side while the raven-haired, black-clothed kid Smokey plays the black side. There is a nice moment, though, where the kid in black says, You want to play, don't you, Jacob? It's at this time, usually, I think, where, uh, you know, in, in a television narrative, uh, the, the other character here, Jacob, uh, would respond by oh so casually mentioning his brother's name in response. But of course, the show is uh, not going to be giving us that ever. It primes us for it, then lets the moment pass. With that, the story moves to mother weaving kind of so you know, familiar based on uh, what we remember from jacob uh, at the end of uh, season five uh, and mother is told by jacob that his brother's at the beach staring at the ocean the implication being that young Smokey has always wanted to leave and jacob's uh, satisfied return to, to the cave shows that he's always been okay with staying At this point, there's some great dialogue, too, from Mother. She asks if Jacob loves her, and then one, two, three, he's spilling his guts about Smokey's find at the beach. The scene here marvelously, marvelously, sets up a closeness between Mother and Son, which the next scene completely knocks down. It's a fantastic kind of construct and destruct. Here, Mother in this next scene is snarky and warmly conspiratorial with her darker son openly mocking jacob uh, as not uh, he you know as he's unable to know how to lie and mother calls kid smoky special certainly a word weighted for us in relation to Locke. things get more creepy as mother explains that she left the game for him kid smoky uh, since anything found must be from her, since she's the end-all and be-all and there's no world out there. Despite we knowing how greatly Mother is lying to him, the scene closes with the feeling of almost being drenched in her desperate love for him. With that, the story moves to the boys' boar hunting, down to a few great, great handheld shots of the camera chasing after a real-life boar piglet, or boarlet, or whatever. Anyhow, it's neither of the brothers who get the boar. We have the first instance of some of the other, other, others, uh, clearly dressed differently enough uh, by the costume department to make it clear that they're still old-timey, but definitely quite different. Also, kudos to the show for largely shooting these others through the leaves, a la the point of view shots from the boys. It lets us see less about these characters, and the, the mystery of it definitely works. With that, the boys run back to Mother, who says that the men uh, are not like, quote, us, close quote, meaning 
mother and the boys, or, you know, mother and the boys, uh, and that her little stolen family is there for a reason. What reason? She explains it isn't time yet, but clearly these other men have made it time. With that, the boys are blindfolded, and it's time for exposition. But the good, no great kind, where genuinely ignorant people are told things that they do not know, and we do not know, and we are all better for it. Did you know about the people? Yes. Why didn't you tell us about them? Because they're dangerous, and I didn't want to frighten you. What makes them dangerous? The same thing that makes all men dangerous. They come, they fight, they destroy, they corrupt, and it always ends the same. They come? Come from where? Another part of the island. You're never to go looking for them. If they found you, they would hurt you. Why would they hurt us? Because they're people, Jacob, and that's what people do. But we're people. Does that mean that we can hurt each other? I've made it so you can never hurt each other. This is the reason we're here. With that, they arrive at the source, and its initial reveal is not particularly great. It seems quite stitched in with computers. It gets better as the boys get closer, and Mother explains what it is in simple terms. Don't go in there. What's down there? Light. The warmest, brightest light you've ever seen or felt. And we must make sure that no one ever finds it. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. And that's why they want it. Because a little bit of this very same light is inside of every man. But they always want more. Can they take it? No, but they would try. And if they tried, they could put it out. And if the light goes out here, it goes out everywhere. And so I've protected this place, but I can't protect it forever. Then who will? It will have to be one of you. There is a very, very telling look on Smokey's face as he stares in, a true call of gold that ties into his selfish side, a selfish side that we have already seen in this flashback in regards to the game. Perhaps, too, we can get a sense of Mother's own sense of fading self, of fading morals. If we indeed assume that the source is the source of light and good for the world, and uh, indeed that it has to be protected, then it's possible that Mother has been on the island for an inordinate amount of time, decades, centuries, millennia, perhaps more. Perhaps she's Mother Earth in a bit more of a literal sense, protecting us and keeping us safe from ourselves since the dawn of humanity. That her job is incredibly, incredibly important isn't a stretch. That her time would come, uh, and, and you know specifically the time to move on. That's not an impossibility either. Thus, it's possible, just possible, 
that the blatant and cold-blooded murder of Cassandra wasn't that bad in a needs-of-the-many sense, that Cassandra had to ensure, or Cassandra and her death had to ensure a, a fresh, clean, new successor, one untouched by the dirty hands of outside humanity. Mother got that times two with twins, and if all her time protecting humanity, uh, followed by Jacob's 2,000 years, were made possible because of the death of one woman, well, there is a certain logic to that, something that almost makes it acceptable in a, in a strange way. But you think of all the lives that, in theory, have been saved by, by, by not having the corruption of, uh, of the source. You know, was Mother's killing of Cassandra that objectively bad? I don't know. Anyhow, the story continues with Jacob and his brother playing the game according to the brother's rules. The show again dips a bit toward the cutely direct, with brother telling Jacob that one day he can make up a different game with different rules. Got it. With that, kid Smokey sees the ghostly image of his mother, but Jacob does not. Ah, delightful mommy issues, what can't you touch? The brother goes off, allegedly for a walk but ends up running to the ghost of Mom yet again. Mom says they're going to the place he came from, a place he's never seen. Sure enough, though perhaps a bit surprising for the first-time viewer, there's a small community there, a community of the survivors of Cassandra's ship. The show again teeters into heavy-handedness, as uh, in this episode Across the Sea, the boy asks about ships that move across the sea, and Mom says that many things are across the sea. And he says that there's nothing across... Well, you get the idea. And just in case you don't, Mom hammers it home, you came from across the sea. And the bigger shock is that the dead lady is, of course, his real mom. Ah, once again, Mommy issues reign supreme. At this point, Mother's caves uh, have looked like our caves, but perhaps not clearly, uh, with Kid Smokey waking up uh, Jacob in the latter's little sleeping alcove. Hey, wasn't there one of those where you know Adam and Eve ended up? Um, again, it's, there's this really nice kind of slow rollout of the, the capper of the episode that, that we have known these characters, at least two of them. We've known Mother and Smokey uh, since episode 106, House of the Rising Sun. We just didn't know it. Anyhow, outside the cave, Jacob gets into a fight with his brother, brother planning on leaving and there's a heartfelt expositional scene where kid smoky explains everything to mother about the other mother and swears swears that one day he'll prove he can leave this island everyone clear on that at home the smoke monster wants to leave the island now in this episode thus far jacob's played second fiddle but here he's able to open up asking mother why she killed his birth mother to keep him good, he's told. Why his uh, brother was loved more. Duty-bound, the older brother stays, saying that he'll stay for a little while. It ends the act, and after the break, it's adult Jacob weaving cloth for the praise from a mother who professes that she's tired. That's cold, code for she's older. We see that Jacob slips away periodically to visit his brother and to do more. Why do you watch us, Jacob? I, I watch because 
I want to know if Mother's right. Right about what? About them. Oh, you mean my people. You want to know if they're bad. A woman may be insane, but she's most definitely right about that. I don't know. It doesn't seem so bad to me. Well, it's easy for you to say. Looking down on us from above. Trust me. I've lived among them for 30 years. They're greedy, manipulative, untrustworthy, and selfish. And why are you with them? They're a means to an end. What end? I'm leaving, Jacob. Found a way off the island. No, it's impossible. There isn't a way off the island. There's a sort of vague youthfulness to their dialogue, or a basic nature to it, with lots of, they're bad, are they good, to it all, along with things like, there are places all around this island where metal behaves strangely. Again, it's just a weird kind of dialogue choice to kind of have them speaking in an old-fashioned way, a way that doesn't necessarily have you know, words like electromagnetism. Uh, but it just occasionally comes off as a little like summer, summer stock theater. Um, anyhow, speaking of these places where metal behaves strangely, pre-Smokey is, of course, talking about the pockets of magnetism. And the talk of his people digging all around the island is, of course, a callback to Smokey Locke's comment about people long ago who dug these wells. With Mother hearing about this, and one of the wells helping uh, the group leave the island. Mother creeps on down into one, a familiar space that looks ever so much like the donkey wheel site, uh, just kind of by its general shape. It's great how there's this slow reveal that it is that location. And, and indeed, the eagle-eyed viewer can see the solid wall at the far end and what appear to be handles of the wheel off in the corner, though a later shot, once it's more clear what the location is, shows half of the wheel completed and on the wall. It's a smart, slow reveal that is so very well earned. What is that? It's a wheel. We're going to make an opening. One much bigger than this one. And then I'm going to attach that wheel to a system we're building. A system that channels the water and the light. And then I'm going to turn it. And when I do, I'll finally be able to leave this place. How do you know all this? How do you know it will work? I'm special, Mother. Please don't do this. Don't go. I have to go. Why? Because I don't belong here. Then I suppose this is goodbye. There is some mumbo-jumbo to it all, but it works in broad strokes, since the show is here delving into the most ancient magic-y of the island's mythology. And as mother and son embrace, it feels so tremendously heartfelt, yet 
For first-time viewers, there is a hard undercurrent creeping in, as we're reminded that he indeed never does leave. Goodbye, mother. I am so sorry. Mother having smashed her son's head into the wall, apparently killing him, the act ends. And to defend the statement that she apparently kills him, I think that is absolutely what we are meant to assume uh, when we first watch the episode. Uh, you know, his birth mother and the birth mother's son, both of them presumably killed by a, you know, a, a stone to the back of the head. Um, of course, you know, as you're sitting at home, first time viewer, trying to figure out how it all works, obviously the fact that he's dead and there still is the transformation of some sort to the smoke monster, but um, it's a nice act end in that we're sitting going, oh, well, so that's how he died. And now we're going to learn more about how he becomes a smoke monster. Um, the fact that that's not the truth of it is uh, kind of all the more fun. Anyhow, after the act break, the show that would so often withhold from us does not. As Mother says, it's time. Something happened, didn't it? Yes. I had to say goodbye to your brother. You're letting him go? I don't have a choice. It's what he wants. Do you recognize this place? Yes. Do you remember what I showed you here? The light. You are going to protect it now. What's down there? Life, death, rebirth. It's the source, the heart of the island. Just promise me. No matter what you do, you won't ever go down there. Would I die? You'd be worse than dying, Jacob. Much worse. This is all such a wonderful payoff and perfectly acceptable that the show explains it again in those broad terms. After all, can't we assume that the specifics of our world are built on some sort of basic, fundamental, natural truths that the, that the show is uh, trying to represent or explore or, or, or mirror. Here, drink this. What happens if I do? You accept the responsibility that you will protect this place for as long as you can. And then you'll have to find your replacement. I don't want to protect this place. Someone has to. I don't care. My time is over. Why? Why is your it time over? It has to be you, Jacob. No, it doesn't. You wanted it to be him. But now I'm all you have. It was always supposed to be you, Jacob. I see that now. And one day you'll see it too. But until then... You don't really have a choice. Please, 
Take the cup and drink. This scene, while not phenomenal, is so integral for not only understanding where Jacob came from, but unbeknownst to first-time viewers, it's setting the table for the very real knowledge we'll need to have when this ritual is repeated in a few episodes' time. Not once, but twice. Now, you and I are the same. The story moves on to the morning, where dead brother awakens, as it indeed appears that perhaps mother didn't go in for the kill after all. Though, as he rises, he sees his well completely filled in, and early suggestion that mother possesses some of the same power uh, that we'll come to see from the smoke monster. Something confirmed a few seconds later, as the brother comes across his camp for the last 30 years to find it burning and everyone dead. Now, as a side note, I suppose it's possible that somehow Mother, I don't know, connived uh, that that those camp folk to kill one another, or it was some kind of head game thing. But I just, the number of times that we've seen what Smokey can do with that power, um, I think I think that's what we're meant to to assume Mother did as well. I'm not saying she necessarily turned into a smoke monster, but just... The power behind it is something that she possesses. Anyhow, there's an extremely touching moment as uh, the smoke monster, as Smokey uh, rescues his, uh, his little wooden game, cries. And then, despite the great camera moves and striking music, it is Titus Welliver's acting that lets Smokey shift from sorrow, abject sorrow, to boiling rage. And at that point, the show again whispers toward heavy-handedness. We first-time viewers can look at the clock and see that there are eight minutes left to the show and that we still don't know how Smokey becomes Smokey, nor do we know why there's no more Mother later in the show's chronology. But we can kind of figure out that it's headed towards some sort of climax, right? But as the thunder cracks in the distance, that's when Jacob observes to his mother, there's a storm coming. Well, it's just a tad much. It's just a tad much. Of course, there's a storm coming. It's a metaphorical storm, which is your brother coming to seek revenge across the adoptive mother who has so ruined his life. Uh, you know, like, do we really need to say, oh, there's going to be some trouble? Anyhow, mother, to her credit, knows what's about to happen, and we know it too. She sends her sweet, innocent can't ever lie son off to get firewood and he practically leaves with a goodbye mom love ya as mother picks through her tattered camp clearly her other son's handiwork the show wonderfully milks it for all it's worth the camera cutting in closer and closer from cave to fire to little game to its black rock then Why wouldn't you let me leave, Mother? Because 
I love you. Thank you. It is at this point that we, the audience, have a terrible realization, a terrible question, that mother was always, perhaps, grooming one son to take her job and the other son to kill her, to release her from that job. It's, it's just an awful thing to ponder. Jacob, what did you do? Wait, listen. What did you do? No. What did you do? With that, Jacob savagely beats his brother and leads him to the one place that Jacob knows revenge of a sort can be extracted from. Why are you back here? Yes. Why would she? Because I have to protect it now. Ah! Oh! I want to find the light. Ah! You want to ah! leave this place, brother? Then go. smoke monster is born with the show deliciously denying us a look inside the source saving that for the finale but as Jacob drinks from the water and realizes what he's done he then sees the body of his brother the last remaining bit of humanity that his brother was before turning into a monster then the episode starts to turn in on itself slowly deliciously, terrifyingly, reassuringly. In close-up shots, we see Jacob place his brother into that ledge in the cave and pick up the two rocks, one white, one black. And the show rather jarringly cuts to... Who are they? Where did they come from? Did you guys shoot a polar bear last week? Yeah. Where'd that come from? It's Jack opening the pouch finding those rocks 2,000 years later. Then back to Jacob, who places his mother alongside his brother, crying as he does it. Then, back to season one again. Hello? Anybody there? Who were these men? Actually, one of them is female. Our very own Adam and Eve. So I think detractors of this episode will say, well, it's just here as a function uh, of, of resolution because they put this thing in so early so that, you know, the, the Adam and Eve bodies, uh, so that they would have something, some thread to tug on at the end to say, look, we had a plan all along. Uh, to me, the fact that the Adam and Eve statues could have been 
any number of things that the show wanted it to be is not the point. The point is that when we look, which is, you know, this is the entire idea of the podcast, when you look at the completed narrative of the show, you have in episode six, you know, and again, the first two episodes were the pilot. There wasn't even a guarantee of it being a series. There wasn't necessarily even the plan for it to be a series uh, after the first two. So, so early in the show's genesis, you have all these mysteries going and the decision to place one marker that you could return back to. And when does that marker come? It comes, you know, with with three hours left to the series. That's when the answer is finally revealed, you know, with with five minutes beyond the, the final three hours. That's when you say, you know, this wasn't um this wasn't any insignificant thing. It is, you know, the, the finding of those two bodies. That's a linchpin for what we have come to understand the series to be. Yes, there was no Jacob in season one and and scant reference to him by Ben, then Henry Gale in season two. And then the slow reveal of him in season three references to Jacob and all that. Um, and, and the mystery of the smoke monster. But to say here is the crossroads here is the source if you'll pardon the pun uh, of where all the islands subsequent chronological mythology which is to say the show has sprung from here despite the fact that it was not part of the original jeffrey lieber pitch to abc it was not part of the reworked pilot that lindelof and uh, and abrams pitched to abc it was not present when carlton cuse came to help his uh, his younger uh, compatriot run the show uh, in the middle of season one. That doesn't matter. We're looking at the completed final uh, result of the show, and it's there. It's there in episode 106. It's there in 615, and you can now understand the rage of the smoke monster. You can understand for how long he's been desperate to leave. You can understand, as John Bowman said, the sympathy that that Smokey can can elicit from us. Uh, to, that, you know, to 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 say, you know, he was trapped. All he ever wanted to do was to leave, uh, to to have his own self determination, his own freedom. And when that was denied to him, he went bad. Is perhaps the lesson, you know, to 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 be more trustworthy of those around you, so on and so forth. It's just it, it. It's a marvelous episode. It's one of one of the top five. I would argue that you just must see. It's just so so wonderful. And uh, you know, <laughs> I I worry for next week, dear friends. I worry about about uh, watching what they died for because while my recollection of, uh, of what they died for is not strong, I know it's no across the sea it's no the end part one or the end part two it's no abiturno or or the constant and so forth and so forth and so forth um so that will be an interesting experience but let's finish up being focused on this week's episode lostpedia says that the man in black's dagger is the one that he gives richard to richard to kill jacob in abiturno speaking of that episode, and, and is later given by Dogen to Said to kill the man in black. 
Lostpedia also says this episode is set in the largest time of the series, reaching back about two millennia, and has the largest passage of time in between scenes. Lostpedia also goes on to say a likely translation of the Latin incantation Mother makes when offering the wine to Jacob as his uh, initiation is, for we do not accept this just as a common drink, but as if that should be one with me. So there you go. Uh, there is also the exact Latin, which I won't uh, attempt right now, dear friends. Last bit of trivia from Lostpedia. The title of this episode may refer to the song Beyond the Sea, which Shannon sings in French uh, in whatever the case may be. And I kind of like that. Uh, I like that notion quite a bit that as she's singing that, there's a little bit of a, you know, again, on the on the look back, uh, there's a little bit of a... Um, uh, a tug forward, a tug to this episode. Now, before we, well, I guess we can just quickly look ahead. I've mentioned the three episodes next week, 616, what they died for. After that, the end part one and the end part two. Somewhere along the way, I will also do, as I said, a music episode with Pete from the PH Geek Pop Culture Podcast, uh, as well as uh, the, uh, you know, there will be a podcast episode for the new man in charge, as well as uh, the exit interview, the the final episode of this podcast. I will add, though, if you've still stuck around to the uh, 45 uh, minute and 27 second mark, I have put together a little YouTube video about the making of this podcast, this particular episode. Um, Of course, it's not entirely done because the podcast isn't entirely done, but um you can if you follow me on twitter i will be tweeting about it i'm probably going to upload the title being uh, looking back at lost colon making podcast episode 615 across the sea something like that so i think if you you know if you search for uh looking back at lost on youtube hopefully it'll pop up there otherwise uh check out my twitter feed or if you're that interested shoot me an email and i'll, I'll send the link along your way it's probably going to be quite long and quite kind of odd and technical and blabby but i just figured uh this podcast has been so uh so integral to my understanding on how to do a podcast that i wanted to at least uh, capture it and share it with everyone so with that everybody i hear the music uh, slowly starting to to play me off there so it's been fantastic getting together for uh, particularly this episode this touching heartbreaking angst-filled, answer-filled episode. And uh, I will talk to you all again next week for 616, What They Died For. Take care, one and all. Be a better person than Mother was. And adios, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>